0: Friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. My name is Lauren, and I'm really excited about our guest today. Nicole is here with us to talk about her shop, The Fernway Studio. So welcome, Nicole.
1: Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan. I'm really excited to talk to you today.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. So can you tell us a little bit about your shop and what you do and what you sell? Sure. So
1: I started as a cross stitch pattern shop. So purely digital downloads of cross stitch patterns. And I have since expanded into hand dyed cross stitch fabric called Ada as well as fabric for embroidery and quilting. And I've recently added some clothing and I hope to add some dyeing kits as well. So all kind of staying in that textile art, but slowly expanding.
0: That's great. So, that's actually really interesting that you say that because most of the time I feel like people want to move from physical to digital products, but you actually went the other way.
1: Yeah, digital was easy at first when I was getting started and living in a tiny apartment, but I really love making things with my hands. So, even if I could have a, a purely digital shop where I could kind of set it and forget it, I just don't think that would be super satisfying for me. So, I love being able to actually make things. And then having the digital is just kind of a little bonus when I put up a new pattern and it can kind of live there without me having to do anything.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's kind of like a place for both. But for a lot of people, I mean, the digital in some ways can be, I don't want to say easier, because I don't really think it's easy. It's still like an equal amount of work to get started and, you know, to get those consistent sales and stuff. But it can be I guess, you know, it's just different not having to carry the inventory and everything, but there's just different, especially for people who are like, at the root of it, you're a maker and you're a creator and the digital just doesn't have that same tactile sensation.
1: Yeah, they both have pros and cons. I enjoy both parts. But yeah, definitely have different challenges with each.
0: Yeah. So Nicole actually filled out the podcast application online. And in it, you talked about building a Facebook group and that that was something that you had done really successfully. So talk to me about that and kind of how that has helped your shop and what sort of your mindset is behind building that and doing that.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's been super fun. So I started, I restarted embroidery and cross stitch for my own, you know, hobby during the pandemic, like everybody else did. Um, You know, we all had our hobbies and mine was embroidery. And for whatever reason, one of the big embroidery Facebook groups announced that they were shutting down around Memorial Day of 2020. And uh, I kind of jumped on that and made my own group and, um, you know, to kind of be a place for people to go who were leaving that group. And this is kind of a long winded way of saying I started embroidery Facebook group. And it was meant to be like a place for more modern embroidery artists. Like a lot of people hear embroidery and they think about, you know, maybe an older person doing a more traditional, like alphabet sampler or like a kitten with a flower. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think we've kind of evolved past that. And especially, you know, during the pandemic and during the BLM movement, people had a lot of anxiety and frustration and being stuck in lockdown. A lot of people turned to embroidery. To express themselves. And so my group kind of formed out of this desire to find other people who were into more modern embroidery and more kind of expressive styles of embroidery. And, and the group is called Snarky and Modern, which we abbreviate to SM. So it's kind of a little tongue in cheek. So it's for embroidery, you know, there's profanity, there's nudity, there's a lot of political posts, and it's all done in good faith and good humor. And, you know, we're super friendly and super supportive group. And I think it's really hit a chord with people who want something that is more modern and allows them to express themselves and really put their feelings into their art. And uh, it's kind of self selected into just this really amazing group of people who are funny and supportive and interesting and do beautiful work and also funny work and silly work and profane work and emotional work. And it's just an amazing place. And we're about to hit 17,000 members.
0: Wow, that's crazy. That's amazing. So I have a question as you're kind of going through this story. So you said this Facebook group, a large Facebook group ended around, you know, you're kind of catching those people who had nowhere to go after that was closing. How long had you been embroidering before that? Like, had you been selling for a long time before that? Or did it all kind of arise at the same time?
1: No, it was all within a couple months of each other. So I got back into embroidery. And I tend to be like a deep dive obsessive person. So that I also wanted to like, make my own patterns. And then I figured if I'm making my own patterns, I can also sell the patterns. And so that was all during the first early days of the pandemic. At that point, I had been laid off in January, I had had a baby in November 2019. And then of course, lockdown happened. So I had a lot of free time even with the baby at home. And I just wanted something to keep busy. So between embroidering my own projects and launching the group and then running my shop it was a very satisfying like way for me to take my mind off of all the stress of having a four-month-old baby and being unemployed in the middle of the pandemic yeah.
0: that's a lot to take your mind off of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also had a pandemic baby so I know that that was a really it was something
1: <laughs> weird times for sure
0: it was a weird time yeah I think it's really interesting. And I think that it seems like the timing on this was kind of kind of perfect timing, honestly, like to have something that you already knew how to do. So you could dive right into it and then to have this Facebook group and then have all of that be happening right at the same time that people are really looking for that community and looking for that crafting hobby or something, you know, not mindless, because it's not mindless, but something to focus on that can like kind of keep them busy. It was like a perfect storm of timing.
1: Yeah, it really worked out. And I added in the the dying when I so we moved across the country in June. So a year ago, this week, actually, we were driving across the country to be closer to family. And so once we got to the East Coast, we had more space, and I had access to a yard, and that's when I got into the dyeing. So it kind of all just like started building on each other, and it just all worked out. Like you said, the timing was really perfect, and I got lucky and also learned a lot and self-taught myself a lot, and uh, it just has kept growing since then. It's been super fun.
0: Yeah, that's great. All right. So talk to me a little bit more about this Facebook group, because this is not something that I've ever done for my Etsy shop. And I know that you kind of have a unique way of building this community around your shop, but not directly related to like just selling to people all the time. So talk to me about that. Yeah,
1: I want to be clear, uh, like the difference between a Facebook page for a business and a group. So this is not a group that is directly related to or promoting my business. It's truly a community first. And I think me promoting my business in it is, you know, fewer than like 5% of my interactions in the group. So mostly I'm in there helping people learn and moderating conversations. I have an amazing moderator team. And we have things like Work in progress weekend where people can share pictures, or we have, you know, Small Business Tuesday where other Etsy shops can post as well. So I'm a little self conscious about being super salesy, but I think by building this community first of people who are just generally interested in embroidery and then kind of finding ways to like kind of serve the community and add value to it in a natural and organic way where I can bring my shop into it has been what's made me really successful. So, for example, we do events called stitch alongs or a sal. And the idea is that everybody works from the same pattern and the pattern I design, and it's free to participate and the patterns just released for free in the group for anybody who wants to do it. And it's released in pieces. So each week is kind of a surprise to build on what happened the week before. And then to supplement that I sell background fabric that people can purchase. And it's totally optional. And I've done giveaways for people who aren't as financially comfortable and It's a way for people to support the work that I put into the group and it gets my name out there with my shop, but it's not mandatory. It's not salesy or pushy in any way. And so it really feels like a kind of an organic tie in between the group and people who want to investigate my business. And it's totally fine if anybody wants to participate and have nothing to do with my business. And that's a way that I've gotten really repeat loyal customers who will tell other people about me. It's a way for me to get really good feedback on my services and my products. And I think it's also really good for my, I assume it's helping me in the Etsy algorithm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, if I'm getting like a really high conversion rate because I'm sending people to my page and they're leaving me really nice reviews and they also know me as a person and they feel comfortable doing that. So yeah, it's kind of been part organic and like part strategic, but in a way that still feels really natural.
0: Yeah, I think that that's really unique. And honestly, I think that it's really unique that you're willing to put the time and the energy and kind of the mental energy into a free group that is, I mean, it's kind of like, it is helping your business, but it's not probably helping your business as much as it would if it was like a hard sell all the time. (laughs) So the fact that you're not doing that, and you really are just truly trying to build community, I think that that's kind of unique, especially among I don't know, Facebook groups in general, I guess I would say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it would feel really uncomfortable for me personally, if if it was like, I'm building this group just so that I can get a lot of sales. And I think people would be able to tell that that was the goal and, and wouldn't feel comfortable with it. But because it does, you know, my first priority is building this community and supporting the community. And then I happen to add some value with my shop. I think people can tell that that's not like a hard sell. So you know, the group members are wonderful and I'm happy to volunteer my time. And then I get a little bit of compensation for it and it kind of works out for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I definitely do think that it's probably helping you in the algorithm as well, just to have those people come in, buy something, leave that review, you know, and especially because I'm sure that just the fact that they know you as a person helps your review, you know, you're going to have more reviews from people who know you as a person and they'll gush about how much they love you and all of those things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm lucky. Everybody's really great. And I've actually had members, I guess they see my return address on the envelope and they've sent, they've like made a project for me and sent it back to me. And it's just like the loveliest surprise. And it really does feel like a community and, you know, friends. So it's really great. Oh my gosh, that is so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's happened a few times. It's been really
0: great. Yeah. And all of the internet is not that nice. So that's really, really nice to have like a little corner of it that you're like, okay, these are my people. And this is like a really great community.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great.
0: So kind of where do you see your shop going? Where, where do you want to go with it? You joined scale your sales in May. And that's how Nicole and I connected. So like, what is your goal for the future and moving forward with it?
1: That's a great question. I know everybody says you should set like a hard number goal. I don't really know how to do that. So you know, long-term, it would be a dream if this could be a full-time job for me. I did end up getting a job during the pandemic. It took a little longer, but I now work remotely for a, like I still work for a company in California, a big Silicon Valley tech company, but it's fully remote, which is great. So it would be hard to fully replace like a tech salary. So that's not necessarily my goal. So I think what I have in mind is like, My first step is, can I pay for a month of like full-time daycare? And then I can justify, you know, putting my kid into daycare and then she gets to play and socialize and I can run a business full-time from home. And then maybe my next step is like, can I, you know, pay for like our mortgage or something? So I don't have like hard number goals, but I definitely have these ideas of like, if I can mentally earmark my sales to go pay for that's kind of where I would consider it success more than an actual, like, Oh, I just arbitrarily want to make a thousand dollars a month or whatever it is. So that would be amazing. I'm at a weird time right now. And this is actually why I signed up for scale your sales because I have been really lucky between the Facebook group and between, you know, the good reviews and all the other sales that I've gotten, I'm closing in on 1200 sales and that's amazing. It's been only a year and a couple months, but I'm kind of at this weird in between place where I'm selling enough that it keeps me busy. I work a lot of nights in the shop after my daughter's in bed and I do a couple hours on the weekend when she's napping. But I'm not really busy enough that I can get to a place of like efficiency. I'm really big on where can I find efficiency? How much can I batch? How much can I do ahead of time? How can I really make sure that I'm using my time as effectively and efficiently as I can? But I'm not quite at the like sales volume where I can really make a whole bunch of stuff ahead and I know it's going to sell. Because, for example, you know, I have 60 different colors and three different sizes of each one. I can't really keep a big inventory that I can make ahead of time because a lot of it would just sit around. So what I was hoping with scale your sales, and I'm starting to see some results from that, is that I can really bump up to that next level where I can get into more batching and more efficiency and more large volume and really get my labor cost down for my hours. And also be able to order my supplies in larger bulk and, you know, pay less for my dyes and things like that. So I'm kind of at that tipping point right now. And my goal, like my more immediate goal, along with these sort of like earmarked income goals is to just continue to find efficiencies and find volume hacks and, and discounts and and things that I can do along the way. So I'm, I'm very analytical like that. That's actually what I do at my day job. So that's kind of my plan right now is like, hmm, how can I you know, hack this and make
0: it work better and
1: work more efficiently and work smarter, not harder.
0: Hey everyone. I want to take a quick second just to invite you to my free Facebook group, Etsy roadmap by Lauren Keplinger. This Facebook group is the best, most supportive Etsy community on all of the internet. And I am so thankful for the members. If you would like to join, head over to laurenkeplinger.com forward slash Facebook, and that will redirect to that group. I hope I'll see you there. Yeah. Okay. So I want to touch on a, a few of those things. So, <laughs> first off, you should watch the uh, module about goal setting in Scale Your Sales because I actually talk about that in there. <laughs> so you should. I must not it. have gotten to that one yet. I will get yeah, there. Yeah, you haven't watched that one. yet, yeah, you should <laughs> okay. because I'm a big fan of goal setting, but I do think that it's important to kind of have the perspective on like what you know, because it's it's easy to sit here and say like well, I would like to have $200,000 in sales next year. But like, what is that actually going to look like in your life? (laughs) You know, in balancing like those numbers goals with also the fact that ultimately, you don't have control over whether or not people buy your stuff, you can only have control over your part of it. And so I think that that's a really important piece of goal setting, you know, you can have And I'm not, I'm not speaking to you specifically, but like, in terms of goal setting, you know, I'm really big on setting goals around the things that I have direct control over. So like, I set a goal, we're going on vacation for New Year's. And uh, my goal for now is to like, be consistent with working out between now and new year's, you know, but like, I don't want to set a goal to say like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds because I don't really have control over that. I want to set a goal to say like, I'm going to work out for 30 minutes every day because I have control over that. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that you do it by day instead of just like some vague idea of having something done by new year's. I, I agree that you need those like smaller steps. I like that. Yeah,
0: And so I think it's easy to say, you know, like I want to have 10,000 sales this year on Etsy. But then like, first off, that might actually not really be your goal if you broke it down into like what that looked like in terms of how much you're working and stuff. But also like you can't force people to buy your stuff. (laughs) So if you set goals based on someone else reacting to you and buying your things, then you don't really have control over that. So I'm I'm a bigger fan of of saying like, I want to, you know, launch this new collection or I want to whatever, post every day on Instagram or whatever that looks like for you. And the second part of what my kind of thoughts about what you were saying about growing in that growth period is that I think that that's a hard position. Like I remember being there in my shop where it's like, I have too much to do to get it done just in like little snippets of time. And so I'm spending these chunks of time, all of my nap times and all of my after the kids go to bed times. And you know, all of this time doing this, but it's not quite to that level where I can change something and make it better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It's a really hard growth period. And I don't, I don't have like a whole lot of advice for you there. I think it's something you kind of just have to like hang on until you get to that point where it can change a little bit. But I know that I've always felt in every stage of growth of the business that it was like, I picture it as like a mountain climbing, like, okay, it's building, okay, it's building, okay, it's building, okay, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed, like, how am I ever going to do this? And then I like take that next step for more childcare or more equipment for me, like I invested in more equipment. And then it like dips down again, and you're like, okay, whoo. I can do this again. And then it grows again. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm drowning. (laughs) So sort of this like up and down, but you always, I feel like have to get to that point where you're really, really busy before it's comfortable to take that next step of growth. And so in that period of like, you're not quite there yet to whether that is like, you know, buying supplies in bulk, that's going to cost you know, way more money than you feel comfortable spending or investing in equipment or whatever that is. It's like in that interim period while you're growing, it's kind of overwhelming.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a little scary to like, The one supply I have bought in bulk so far is my Ada fabric, and I bought a thousand yards of it. And I remember my very first order of Ada was 10 yards, and that felt extravagant because, you know, 10 yards imagine it's a 60 inch wide bolt and, you know, 30 feet long, and people are working on projects that are like 10 inches square. So it just seemed like a massive quantity. But I'm like halfway through that thousand yards that I ordered in the spring, which is amazing. So it does kind of, you know, I feel like I can start to, and I'm lucky that I've been profitable basically since the beginning, since I did start with digital and then have slowly ramped up. So, you know, I I can afford to like take my income and then use that to like buy something in bulk. And it still feels like a big step, but it doesn't feel as risky. One thing I have started doing lately, because I'm feeling a little bit braver now is, You know, if I get an order for one piece of green, I'll batch dye maybe like five pieces of green and I ship one out and I put the other four on the shelf. So I'm not like making every yeah. color in every size ahead of time. But I'm making just like a couple extra as a little bit of a buffer. So then, you know, it might be a month again until I get an order for that size of green. But then I can just pull it off the shelf and ship it out. And when the couple times that that's happened so far, I just feel like this absolute master of my business that I yeah. managed like one tweak of efficiency. So I think that's the direction that I need to go. I just need to continue to build the volume of sales and like implement all these SEO tips. And I've been doing that slowly and starting to see some slow returns. So it's scary, but it's, you know, I, I do think that's my next step. And this is something that I take seriously as a business. Like I know you've talked about like, you started your Etsy shop as a business. And that was always my intention as well as, you know, if I'm going to invest in all these supplies, it's going to be with the intention of like earning back my investment and then some. So it's never been just like a hobby that I did for fun that I turned into a business. It was, I went into it, like, I want to do this in a way that is profitable and efficient and also fun for me. So I am kind of always thinking about that next step and how I can grow. and, And I'm excited to see, you know, what happens in the next six months or so as the world opens back up and and I really like, you know, get on track with um, all these process improvements that I'm working through.
0: Yeah. I think everybody's excited to see what happens when the world (laughs) opens back up again. Yeah,
1: it could be really good or really bad for the embroidery community. It remains I think
0: it's definitely gonna be a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think this year already has been a roller coaster. So I think it will probably continue for at least the next six months or so. Definitely. But yeah, I totally know what you mean about feeling like I've had those moments where you have something that's like prepped and ready to go. And you're like, have this little glimpse of like, if I could just do this all the time, I would be rocking and rolling.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have a full dream studio in my head and it's huge and efficient. I have a staff of 10. So, you know, dream big, I guess. Yeah.
0: I love what you said about getting into it, looking at the business side, because obviously I was the same way. But also I think that there are so many people who it's like either or either you're an artist or a maker who like is passionate about their art or you have the business stuff that you love. And there's like sort of this I don't know, myth, I guess, that you can't have both. And like what you said about, you know, I want this to be profitable and I want it to grow and I want it to be actually making money. Otherwise, this is just like a very time consuming hobby. But I also want to enjoy what I do. And I think that that's key. Like I would never tell someone, you know, just search on Etsy for the best selling product and then make whatever that is. (laughs) Because, you know, we are all bringing our own perspective to things because, you know, and I feel the same way, even after nine years of monogramming, like, I mean, there are times that it gets old, but I don't hate doing it. Like I still you know i don't know that i would say i love doing it but it doesn't bother me like i don't dislike doing it it's kind of like a mindless reprieve from having to look, be on all the time so you know like i think that i just like what you said about about having that business perspective of it but also like this is something that you're you know you can go into your facebook group and chit chat with people about embroidery and it's not like oh my gosh i don't want to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: and I don't know if you feel this way and like the day to day of what I make is not super creative like my creativity lies in you know coming up with new products or you know, improving my business processes. So that's all fun for me. The actual making once I have like a product established is kind of repetitive, which I'm sure it sounds like you have some of the same feeling, but there's like other parts of the business that are just super satisfying and gratifying and just really make me happy and feel like I'm being productive. And like for me, hard work is self-care. So like when I'm busy, I feel really good about what I'm doing. Like I've never been one to just sit in front of the TV at night, or if I am, I'm probably embroidering while I do it. <laughs> so like the creativity and the passion for me lie not in making something new and unique every time, but in like doing it well and doing it effectively and doing it efficiently. And like, yeah, like creating the new products and building the business plan. Like that's fun for me. And it sounds like you and I are on the same wavelength with that. So you
0: might be the same person. <laughs> <laughs> are you in yeah, three? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We're both working in
1: textiles. So there's a lot of synergy, I think, Lauren.
0: Yes, Yeah, I totally agree with you. I actually had this conversation with my sister in like some of the earlier days of my business because people would say to me, you're so creative. And I was like, kind of had a hard time with that because I was like, I don't know that I really see myself as so creative. Like I'm not a super crafty person. I still actually really don't think that I'm super creative. And what she said to me was, (laughs) well, she kind of agreed. You're not really that creative, but she said, but I think that what you're doing in your business is really creative. Like you have a really creative perspective on how to run the business and like how to move it forward and continue to grow and all that. So it's not so much the, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm putting a three letter monogram on a blanket. Like that's, there's just not that much creativity in there, (laughs) but you know, the rest of it, like, it's not the traditional, like artsy creative, I guess, but there is still some aspect of it that is, or something.
1: you can't see me because we're podcasting, but I'm totally nodding along because I completely agree. Like, see, I'm kind of like you. I think I am creative. I'm not like, I can't draw something and make it look like something. But creativity lies in problem solving and coming up with processes and being creative in how you position your brand and being creative in the new products that you come up with. So I completely agree that there can be a lot of creativity, even when you don't consider yourself like an artist necessarily. And I think there's a lot of room for that on Etsy because it is such a broad marketplace and people have so many different niches. You don't have to make something that's brand new that nobody's ever seen before and have this like million dollar light bulb idea. You just have to be creative in how you position it and yourself. And you know, you talk a lot about niching down and that takes creativity as well to think smaller and more precise and more niche. So yeah, it's just, I'm sure a lot of people feel very satisfied by all different kinds of creativity. And I hope they realize that creativity is more than just like physically making something that nobody's ever seen before.
0: Yeah, totally. And sometimes, I mean, like you said, there's a piece of that in every shop that you kind of have to be able to balance the two, but I wouldn't necessarily say that the actual creative making side is more important than the business side and running a business. Like, I think that there, I think you need to have both. I think you do need to have some balance of both, but I mean, I have had people and I think I've told this story before, but I have had people come to me, friends in real life who have said like, I want you to, you know, teach me how to set up an Etsy shop. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And then they're like, but I only want to make what I want to make all the time. And I only want to make one of each one, but only what I want to make. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> it's really hard to run a business that way. <laughs> so, you know, like that, that is someone that is super creative and that's amazing. And that can be a certain kind of business, but it's probably not going to be like a high volume sales business, you know? Yeah. It just depends on what you're looking for, I guess. Totally. Yeah. So where are you headed for 2021? What kind of uh, future plans do you have for, you said you have fun expansion plans.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I've expanded into just in the last couple of weeks, I've added tank tops and t-shirts. So it's the same processes of ice dyeing that I do. And I have, you know, ice dyeing got really hot during the pandemic as well, along with tie dyeing. And I've, you know, done a ton of experimenting. I've been dying for about a year now. Actually, I started 4th of July last year, so almost exactly a year. So it's the same colors that I've been doing and the same techniques that I've been doing, but instead of doing them on embroidery fabrics, I'm doing them on t-shirts and tank tops and pillow covers and robes. And um, I want to do like underwear and socks and baby clothes. So it's it's more like when we talk about niching down, I'm niching my kind of aesthetic and my technique. And I think my technique is pretty. Unique. I don't see anybody else doing exactly what I'm doing, even in the like fairly. I know you don't like the word, but like saturated um, tie dye and ice dye market. So I'm hoping that when we talk about niching, I can keep my aesthetic really coherent, even as I expand my actual products. Yeah. So I'm doing my first in person craft show, and it's actually a big vegan festival in Atlantic City in mid July. So if any. New Jersey vegans or veg curious people are out there, come see me at the Veg Fest in Atlantic City. And um, so I'm going to have, you know, several hundred pieces of clothing there. And that'll be my first test of like how this would do in in an in-person market and try to get feedback from people. So I'm really excited about that and taking it back to my Etsy shop and then hoping to continue to grow what I do with wearables. And then I also mentioned that I want to do dyeing kits because I think at least like, At least 50% of the fun of ice dyeing is the process. So I want to be able to share that with people and they get to have a lot of fun making something and maybe do it for like baby showers or a bachelorette party or a kid's birthday party. And then you also happen to get a really cool thing that you get to keep and take home. And it looks like this amazing piece of art, but it's like insanely simple to do. So that's what I'm focusing on is, is clothing and wearables And uh, we'll see how those go. And I'm going to have to hold myself back from expanding even more and just focus on optimizing. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm going to be remote. I don't intend to move back to California if I can help it. So I, I have the luxury of hopefully having a little more space, being somewhere that's not as expensive to rent or buy. So I'd love to have a little studio space of my own. So that's my pipe dream. We'll see. We'll see what happens. That might be a lot for one year, but... I'll try to dream big.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I also just have to tell you, I think it's hilarious that you think that New Jersey is like cheap (laughs) for those of us not in those kinds of areas. It'd be like prohibitively
1: expensive. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm so like my perspective is definitely tweaked at this point. Yeah. Having been in California and I love California, but I could never afford studio space there. And if I want to grow, I need space. So in addition to being closer to family, I think it's a really cool opportunity for my business to really take it seriously as like a thing that I can grow and build.
0: Yeah, that is super exciting. I think that you are really onto something and I can't wait to watch what happens over the course of the next year and watch you grow.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm excited to finish up my uh, scale your sales modules. And I'll keep you posted on you know, how much my business explodes after that. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. If people want to check you out online on Etsy or your Facebook group, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I am the Fernway Studio on Etsy. That's F E R N W A Y. My Instagram is also at the Fernway Studio, and then I do have a page, the Fernway Studio, on Facebook, but that's pretty quiet. If you're remotely interested in embroidery and you know something a little modern, I will warn you there is profanity involved, and like I said, some nudity. So you know, just a a fair warning. But the Facebook group is called Snarky and Modern or S and M Embroidery and Cross Stitch. Cool. Well,
0: thank you again for coming on here. It's great to talk to you.
1: Thanks, Lauren. Great to talk to you as well.
0: I will see you next week back here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now.